Honey, where is my podcast? Hello, world. I'm Eric Dye, along with Jeremy Smith and Phil Schneider. Welcome to Church Mag Podcast number 42. Really, Jeremy? <laughs> That's how we're going to pull the end of that, Jeremy. That was too awesome. Because you said it so dryly, like, yeah, we just solved, we just solved the, 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 all the website problems in all of the world just now. Carry on. You're welcome, Internet. This week's podcast is brought to you by MoGive. Have you been waiting to get your church started with online giving? Have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? Please stop. A better solution is here, and it's spelled M-O-G-I-V. MoGive is a web and mobile giving platform built specifically for the needs of growing churches. One-time giving, scheduled giving, targeted giving campaigns, mobile responsive giving forms, ACH giving, seamless integration with your website. MoGive has it all, and they do it without requiring any setup fees, subscription fees, service fees, or contracts. Growing your giving has never been easier, so check them out today at MoGive.com. That's M-O-G-I-V.com. On this episode, we'll be talking with Matthew Snyder about whether or not it's a good idea for churches to build a website for free, or if it would be better to invest in a quality website. But before diving into our interview, let's take a listen to this week's Church Mag Pro Tip from Chip Dizard. Hey, what's going on? This is Chip Dizard from ChipDizard.com. That's Chip, D-I-Z-A-R-D.com. Today, I want to talk to you about a question that a pastor asked me, um, a technology question at heart. But really, I wanted her to start with some other goals in mind. She had a website, but it was on a free uh, system called Wix. And I encouraged her to get on WordPress. I really like WordPress for the ease of use. I know there are other blogging platforms like Squarespace and other blogger and other things you can use. But I really encourage WordPress and not a free Wix site. Because I told her that when people come to your site... And not a Facebook page. They judge you. They make assessments. They make judgment calls as soon as they visit your website. So you don't want any barriers to you being invited. Even before you put one video up, even before you put uh, one audio podcast up, they visit your site. Then I told her to do is to invest in yourself so others can invest in you. So I do wedding videography. I've been doing it for the last four years, but I made a uh, a concerted effort in 2014 to just be uh, uh, more focused. So I invested in a drone or quadcopter. I put it out there. I wasn't a drone expert, but I invested in that. And now when people see me, they're always tagging me or tweeting me about drone videos because they say, hey, that's Chip. That's a video expert with the drone. So I invested some without... Without the knowledge or even the ability to know if I wasn't even going to make my money back. But I say, you know what? If I don't invest in myself, how can I expect other people to invest in me or my ministry or my business? And most important thing, anytime you're starting a new uh, campaign is you want technology to be the vehicle in your ministry, not the driver. Let me say it again. I'm glad you asked. Let technology be the vehicle in your ministry and not the driver. So many people want technology to be the driver, the driving force behind our technology. No, it's a vehicle to get people to Christ. Let that be the vehicle and not the ultimate driver. Take care. Again, you can visit me on chipdesart.com or chipdesartweddings.com. I'll talk to you soon. 
On the Church Mag Podcast, I have with us Matthew Snyder. Matthew, on the side, does a little bit of freelance web development, some awesome stuff. Uh, he loves Genesis, as do I. And uh, today, I just want to talk with Matthew a little bit about um, what I've seen around the web uh, through tweets and social media and ads about free websites for churches. And whenever I see these, I just cringe. How about you, Matthew? Yeah, Um it's not something that I would ever recommend to anyone, let alone a business slash church, for sure. Right, and we, you know, you might say, "Oh, well, Matthew, he, you know, he he does freelancing and builds websites on the side." Eric, you know, you've you've done the same, so you guys are just kind of protecting your territory and in, in invested interest. And to a degree, there may be some truth to that. But on a fundamental level, if if I didn't do this at all, and if you didn't do this at all. Um, we would still feel the same about churches doing free websites, and it, it's just it's it's a bad idea on on multiple levels. Sure, sure. The, the The biggest thing that comes to mind in my mind's eye is that nowadays I have personal friends. I know lots of people that will decide upon a church based upon their website. There is not a free website builder out there that would impress someone that's looking for a church based upon their website. Plain and simple. It's not going to happen. Right. I've, I've heard and seen statistics as high as 80% or, or more where first-time visitors to a church have decided to first-time visit your church because they've already visited your website. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. I, I mean, yeah, like that's a huge presence. So... I think in turn, for new-time visitors, churches should be overwhelmed and very thankful that they are there based upon their web presence. And, and of course, you know, what you spend on a website varies greatly, um, as I'm sure you can outline. You know, you can spend tens of thousands and you can spend hundreds. But I think, I think the key really is that you have some sort of, of you know, uh, not not even fully custom. Would you agree with that, Matthew? Does it need to be fully custom? Custom, or can this be done? You know, purchase some hosting and get a solid, you know, a solid premium theme. I, I totally agree with that. Um, I'm actually currently working on my church's website. Um, they had um, been in the same boat. They still are. It's a terrible, uh, free looking drab WordPress theme. And they don't know any better. Um, that, that, that's that's the problem. So I stepped in and kind of brought them out of the Stone Ages. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I am using a Genesis theme, a Parallax, and just kind of tweaking some colors and bringing in some of the images from the site and kind of adding their content and their flair. Um, you know, uh, there's a small cost involved. Um, and I think that's for my time. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. Um, the very first church website that I did um, took about nine months, um, which is insane. Um, the building of the website probably took a week. Um, but the people that you have to deal with and the committees, um, there were tears about this website um, because I changed the color from green to brown of the logo to go better with the, the palette on the site that they, they had chosen. Um, so there's a lot involved um, in a church website because of the church, um, who they are, who's involved, um, the decisions that can't be made in a silo, 
Um, I, I mean, I could go on and on and on. I sat in multiple meetings when there were tears and the web team that was there prior to me quit. Um, so, so there's lots of drama involved, good and bad. Um, but I think through that process, it's the church is a business. It is like you, no one wants to look at the church that way, but it's an organization. It's a business. Um, they make money. They have people that are involved, both paid and non-paid. Um, and I think ultimately that's what the issue is, is that the volunteers are the ones that it's like, hey, all this blood and sweat has been put in and you don't like it. Like, how dare you? Um, and that's where all the tears and the angst and the anger comes from. Um, it, it, yes, it, it, it can be rough. It can be rough for sure. Well, you know, technology has has progressed so quickly in a short amount of time. I think that, you know, the church website is pretty overlooked. Like, you know, a church, they have a web presence and it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, and they don't think about it anymore. Like, yeah, we're, we're tech savvy. We have a website, you know, kind of like we pay for the phone book ad every year. We pay for our hosting every year or, or whatever web uh, service they may have, whether it be free or paid, and they, they don't think about it ever again. And the truth of the matter is that as much time and energy and investment that is made into picking out the color of the carpet and having the right kind of chairs and the right kind of you know uh, operational soundboard and these kind of things, that the website is just as important, if not more so, because it is a first impression and it is the, the the first touch, as they say, the first touch between the church and the uh, potential visitor. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge vehicle. Um, and back to that first one, um, everybody was on board. Everybody's like, hey, I'm going to blog, like the pastor's going to blog. And um, my good friend who was the media director who sang up front and did all of the slides and blah, blah, blah. Like he was in charge of all of that. He basically did everything except speak on Sunday. And he's like, I'm going to blog about this. And we've got pictures. And the um, women's director was in and the kids director was all about it. And it's like for a month, it was awesome. And then they're like, wow, that's a lot of work. I don't have time to do that. And now you have a static website with some blog posts that were updated two years ago. Um, so it, it, it's a big job for a church. Um, but I also feel that the right churches or some churches do it right. And some churches don't like, I feel, um, like North point, obviously they're huge in Atlanta, but they have a team that does this and they're not volunteers. I will say that again. They have a team that does it, and they're not volunteers. That's huge because I think in a lot of churches, and this is getting a little bit off topic but but kind of swings back around, is that volunteers get abused. Um, I've been asked to do a couple of websites for churches as my ministry to that church. You have to be really careful answering that question. It's A, I don't go to that church. B, this is an extra livelihood for me. Um, and see, it's like when you deliver a website and you're doing it as a ministry, you never deliver it. Quote unquote, you have this, or they send emails and then all of a sudden you're their web guy before you know it. And then you feel bad because their web presence just goes, you know, 
to junk. And, and I guess maybe that's why when I hear or, or see things about free, quote unquote, free websites, that's what, maybe that's fundamentally what jars me as being wrong is that there is no value. And, you know, just because you spend a hundred dollars or $500 doesn't then automatically make it better than a church that got one for free. I think the initial investment can say a lot about the long-term investment that people are willing to put into the website. Yes, uh, 100% agreed. The the people are more important than the website. Um, The website is just a vehicle for the people to share um, God's words throughout the day, um, however they want to update the congregation or bring in new visitors, or, you know, VBS is this week and promote that or have signups, etc. Um, the people is what run it. Um, you know, there were multiple conversations that I had at the time that it's like, if you want to bring me on, you know, as a part-time person, like this is what the cost would be. And this is everything that I could do. Social media, um, you know, they even have problems uploading um, the sermons, you know, I mean, things like that, like blogging for you, like Frank, like I can have a conversation with you, kind of get what's going on and understand that as the pastor and kind of blog for you. And they're like, really? But then like, that wasn't something because, oh, we've got it. We've got it. We can do this. And then they did for like a month or two. And now it's just sitting there as a static page, which in my mind is a free website. It's like a pamphlet. And, and, if, and if you're going to have a free website, if you're going to value having a church website to not pay for it, and not update it. That's fine. But if you're willing to make the investment, I don't know. To me, it's kind of like you know the free ebook versus the paid for ebook. Like the free ebook, you're not going to read. The one you pay for, you're going to read because you've made an investment, so you're going to get as much as you can out of right. it. I guess maybe that's part of it. If, if you're if you're willing to invest in the website, then you're that much step closer to actually using it as a tool. Sure, I I completely agree. I completely agree. Like I've had um, churches that have come to me um, for free and uh have been okay with that and um you know just because of what i know that they need and it's simple um i feel bad um because you can't deliver that oomph that i think new people want to see um but i've also had people pay like a lot of money and still it's a static site um you know even if they drop you know 10 grand let's say um, they'll be gung ho for a couple months and then it's, it's paid for it's out of sight, out of mind. Um, I also think, I think overall as churches kind of transform into this area, which I would say churches are very behind on, you have to understand not who their audience is, but who's behind the church. At least the churches that I've dealt with have, um, an older body, an older foundation, um, folks in their fifties and sixties that are just getting their first laptop or maybe their second computer that really haven't grown up with this. As opposed to me that I remember when I was 11, I had a $4,000 HP machine that was 166 megahertz, you know, like I've had them since I've had the Apple two C since I was a kid and stuff like that. I was spoiled that way. So growing up, these people don't know any better, um, which is not an excuse, um, but that is something that I have to guide them through from the start. It's it, They just don't know the importance of the website to their church. Having a, a solid 
church website is about as important as having the parking lot in in good paved condition. I mean, it's it's a utility that is used and is important. And uh, you know, th- there is that that technology gap. You know, like you're like you're yeah. pointing out. And yeah. So so l- answer this, Matthew. If if a small church or a uh, a church plant is looking at a website, or you know they're, they're getting their ducks in a row, they're finding this, they're finding a space to rent, and they're doing all the things that go go with that as a church plant or a uh, established church um, that's that doesn't have a whole lot of resources, uh, but knows knows and understands that they need to up their web presence. What would you say to them as an argument or rationale or reason why they should shy away from a free site and and actually make the investment? Well, I mean, it's it's what we've been talking about. In all honesty, I would probably get some of my um, Christian friends and non-Christian friends to visit said website or what they think they want to go with and ask for feedback and just openly say, okay, like these are emails I've gotten from people based upon what you want to go with. Like, do you want these responses? Um, you know, I, I, I feel that the web presence is such an overlooked yet huge part of the church's need today, but they don't know that they need it. If, if that makes sense, they don't know what they don't know. Um, so if they go to a company, um, which, which is fine. This company's making money. They have good intentions. But if they go to one of these sites that will create a template for them for free, um, as long as you buy hosting with us or whatever, that's fine. But that person doesn't shepherd them in the right direction around what a web presence should be. At that point, you're giving them an online pamphlet and... I don't know about in Italy, but if Christians came up to me or Islamists or Muslims or whatever, whoever that may be that is trying to force or push or persuade me in a direction and gave me a pamphlet, I would never read it, ever. Um, that's It's not personal. Um, there's no connection involved. Um, and I think ideally that's what you want your web presence to be. Like it needs to be a vehicle to bring people into your church, whether or not that's someone's house or, um, you know, a school or, you know, some old convention center. Like there's churches down here in Baltimore that meet in uh, movie theaters on Sunday morning early. Um, it doesn't make a difference what's inside or what your church looks like. But it makes a huge difference in my eyes, and I think in our generation, you know, probably 18 to 35, 38, what your web presence looks like. You know, um, it's huge. It's huge. Right. And then I think that there's this kind of intermediate level where uh, a church or a church plant may invest in a website. They may spend... You know, fifteen hundred dollars. They get something solid, you know, or, you know, for for not too high of a price, and they've made that investment, and then they forget about it, and they say, "Oh, well, we made the investment." You know, we we heard what Matthew Snyder said on the Church Mag podcast. We invested in a website, and we're done. And that is certainly not what we're saying. We're saying that beyond that, and after that, you have to continue your investment with time. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you don't start a children's ministry 
and not have a teacher. <laughs> oh, like, that is that is perfect, Matthew. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you don't like you don't just let the kids run around and break things or paint on the walls or you know use the bathroom in the wrong place for crying out loud. Like you, you don't start a ministry. And that's the problem. They don't look as at the website as your web presence of a church as a ministry, which is all wrong. You're bringing people in. This is a vehicle. This is your front door. If you had horns on your front door to your church, would that send <laughs> or symbolize that this is a comfy place? Matthew, are you saying that when people go to a church website, they shouldn't have music automatically start playing? Oh, I love auto music. <laughs> That's like the best thing the internet has ever introduced. Especially MIDI oh, music. Okay, so just for those listening, that was sarcasm. I don't know if you caught it, but you should be shot if there's ever auto music for anything, ads, anything. I will never go back to your website ever. I don't even care if it's Google. Or animated waterfalls. Yes. Organs playing in the background or angels singing. Like, come on, people. Um, but, but again, back to my point, like you don't start a children's ministry. You don't start a women's ministry and invite a bunch of men. Like you need to be clear on what your vision is for this website. And it's not just a website. It's a ministry. You know, if you had stained glass windows on your exterior of your church and it had Spider-Man and Iron Man and stuff like that, yes, you'd get a bunch of geeks in there, but it would completely convey the wrong message of what you're trying to quote unquote sell to your congregation, to new believers, to people coming to your church. Same thing with a website. If you have this very stale website that looks like it's nine years old, and you haven't changed anything, and you have a Twitter account that everybody signs up for and you never tweet, or you use Facebook once a month for the same thing. Hey, we're having communion. Hey, we're having communion. Hey, we're having communion. People are going to get that, that you don't care. So let, so let me get this straight. You're having communion at church. Yes. Exactly. So the question and the point that started this conversation was, why free websites are a bad idea. And I think fundamentally what we've uncovered is, isn't necessarily why aren't free websites a bad idea as much as why churches not valuing websites is a bad idea. Yes, 100%. If they're, like right now, if I said, hey, North Point, instead of spending 30 or 40 grand on your website, how about I give you a free one? It would still be successful. Because of the team, because of the people, because of the vision that was set for that website and the people that love it. Now, granted, it would be a free website and then I'm sure somebody would tweak it here and add here and tweak here and blah, blah, blah. That's beside the point. There's people that are invested in it. Right. That would happen, though, because people are invested right. in it and they value right. it. So then they spend money on it because, My point exactly. you know, it's it's a classic it's a classic example of put your money where your mouth is. hundred percent. Hundred percent. I, I mean, it's it's you know Apple, huge company. I'm I'm an Apple fanboy at heart. If their website sucked, I, I I probably would not buy products from them much longer. Yeah, but if their website sucked, their product would probably suck as 100%. well. Hundred percent. So that that right there is the key. If you have a sucky website for your church, what does the rest of your website or your church look like? 
You know, like, are we taking communion in really, really old cups or whatever? Those little things start asking questions in new believers, in people that have moved from out of state um, to say, hey, I really want to go to this church. Oh, my gosh, look at this website. And then they laugh about it. And it's it's an afterthought. I'm not going to that church. And your church may be awesome. And the pastor may be so in tune with the Lord and just speaks really well. Sorry, you'll never know. You'll never know. And that whole string of arguments and conversation that we've just have is how you need to frame it, how you need to love on that church so that they understand it. Because they, they don't, they won't. Um, unless somebody comes alongside them and kind of casts that vision um, cast those nets for them to get caught in to understand, like, I'm going to have to work hard to get, get out of these nets to understand, you know, this is a presence. This is a ministry to people that haven't come to our church yet. And at the same time, it helps people. Right. And, you know, I think it's a classic case of out of sight, out of mind or out of website, out of mind. Um, you know, people don't, don't see it. They don't think about it. They don't, they're not going by it every, every Sunday, Every Sunday morning, they're not walking through that door, so to speak. And so it's not really thought about. And like you'd pointed out earlier about the demographics of the church, um, you know, you've got a lot of people that, that aren't attuned or online a lot. And so that really isn't on their mind. And so they don't, they, they're not, they're not valuing it. So hopefully, you know, through this podcast and clearly one of the things that Church Meg does is bring this to people's mind and to, to help, to help, um, help others not only communi- to not only help the church see that it's important but also help equip those that are called to have the church take notice of why it's important and and uh, be able to communicate that well amen awesome matthew thank you so much for your time on the church make podcast thank you all right, that was an interview with Matthew Snyder Eric Dye here along with the uh, usual awesome guys Phil Schneider and Jeremy Smith. How you guys doing? Great. That was kind of awkward and weird, wasn't it? That's all right. We'll keep moving. Um, what did you guys, Phil? Phil, what did you think about this? Because as you mentioned before, we started recording the podcast, and when we came up with this topic, uh, you wrote a post uh, quite a few months ago about websites done with Wix, which is kind of a, a free service. So you're not talking about top of the line, cutting edge web technology at all. You're talking about quick and easy. So what what did you think? What was your takeaway from this interview in in contrast to a service like Wix? Uh, actually, I did, I, did, I did Weebly. Somebody else did Wix. Oh, Weebly, um, Wix. You know. A double a W name that's all built in some weird flash proprietary <laughs> right, thing, right, right? Right, right, right. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to speak to Wix because I had never used it or, or even seen it. But I, I do remember someone posting about that recently. Can we say that on a podcast? Can we say that on a tech podcast? Can we say Wix? I think so. I don't know. I don't think about. It, it won't call, I don't think it as uh, some sort of universe-ending uh, paradox. But uh, <laughs> um, well, I wrote about Weebly. Uh, I have to use it for school, um, so I wrote about it for uh, for, for Church Mag. Uh, you know, the idea of churches could use it because I feel like Weebly is a great place for for a church with no website or a hand-coded HTML website that that database engineer who start, who went to college in the 60s, you know, you know that guy who's been hand-coding HTML pages, you know, since HTML was invented, you know, moving to Weebly might be a good, fresh, you know, you know, change of pace for that church. Because isn't what wasn't Weebly basically a, a kind of CMS? It, I mean, yeah, kind of. It's it's 
it's been, Weebly is, I think, best best described as a, an excellent static website builder. They have a blogging component. Uh, it's not fantastic, but it, honestly, if you ju- if you're a church like my church, we blog. But because I'm part time, I don't. I can't blog there as much as I'd like to. Uh, and so, not, the pastors just don't blog. They don't. It's not. It's on their thing. So, like our church blog, I'll post probably once a month, and then we'll post our worship lists on our blog every week. And it's kind of it's kind of the sum total of it. But we have but because we we use Resurrect theme for WordPress. We have an events section, so our events section is always up to date. So our website's not static. We're always adding that. We're always adding audio content in our sermon section. If your church is just getting online or just shifting from an old hard coded, I like what Matthew said. A, a pamphlet website. Weebly is a great place to create a, a, a clean looking, a nice designed website. They look, they look good. They don't look great. You can tell it's a, a, a cheaper or free you know, setup website. But uh, they look nice and then the blog component can easily be used to post updates about events. You know, it's not a great blocking feature, but if you just want to do some simple updates about about events, it's actually pretty decent. Yeah, now see, I went into this interview with a preconceived idea. I did not go into this thing object, objectively. I definitely came into it with a bias, and that was that services like Weebly or Weeblo or whatever the heck it's called um, were inferior, and churches shouldn't use it, and they should just, you know, step up pay for something good and get it done. But what was interesting is is through the interview and as we talked things out, my final conclusion was it doesn't matter what you pay for the site per se as much as what kind of value you put on having the church website. And I think that's an important distinction. And I, I think that having a free website is not a bad thing as long as you understand what it is that you're getting out of the fact that it's a free site, especially since... If you if you're going for a static website, you don't need to put a lot of money into it. And I, I think for a lot of churches, a static site is the best option, especially if you're going to blog for a couple of months and then leave it alone for several years at a time. And so, if you can instead put that energy that you put into a couple of blog posts into instead saying for 15 minutes, one time a month or one time every week, I'm going to just look at the website and see if anything needs changed. That's so much more improved than what most churches are doing online with their website and to know and to recognize that you're not going to have a tech team behind it you're not going to have a dedicated website presence staff or volunteers and that's all right and i think that's i think that's one way to move forward with all this but if you're able just to make those updated changes especially you have a terrible uh, firing of a staff person and three months later there's still the person that's on the website that's not going to work or you change addresses or you change phone numbers or emails or whatever it is that you're actually updating those things on the website because that's the first step towards actually engaging with people getting into your to your church most times. Yeah, and I think that I, I like how you, you, you frame that, Jeremy, because I've said it before, and that is better for your church not to have any blog than to have a blog that's posted to every few months because – you know, when somebody visits your website, your church website, they hit the blog button. They expect for there to be something relatively fresh, like, you know, something from the last week at least. OK, but, you know, from the last month or the few previous months, when I see a blog that has that, it's like, OK, this thing's dead. OK, so 
not having a blog and having somebody go on there every few weeks or every month or, or so and do what you said, go through, make sure all the information is up to date, maybe change out a front page banner of a sermon series. Sure, it isn't like having a full-fledged blog, but at least your pamphlet site is doing it, and it's doing it well, which you say all the time, Jeremy. Okay, if we're going to do this, let's do it well. Mm -hmm. And also, just for people that are wanting to know, um, if you want a website that's free, um, there is a thing through Radiance, and their website's thinkradiant.com, and they're actually trying to push for every ministry, every missionary every church out there to have a website presence especially for just being able to communicate with others and so they're willing to give you a free website it's not all the glitz and glamour but it is just like most websites uh, free that you do get some of the stuff and you can have a good website on there you know i'll I wrote a post a while back called uh, Church Websites, uh, go, uh, Internet Ghost Towns, and I think this, is, this kind of speaks to it. You know, your design may not be the best design, but if their content is constantly updated and your website's easy to navigate and find that content, I think you're, you're in a better place than we would like to admit. I think we want, we want to see nice, fancy, HTML5-ready websites, you know, that are totally responsive and this and that. But honestly, if it's easy to, if the website's easy, easy to use and not visually offensive or auditorially offensive with the uh, auto-loading music. As long as your website's not offensive right off the bat and it, it, it's clean and easy to use and the content is fresh, because honestly, I don't go to a church website for their blog. I want to see what events are going on. If I can get that content easily enough, and if I like that church and I want to go want no, more, then I'm going to look for blog posts or sermon audio or sermon video, that kind of stuff. I think the front, the front end of things, get a clean website that's easy to navigate, have can, updated staff and event information on there. And I think you're good to go from there. I will say, Phil, on on the other end of it, that churches that are looking for people to come in new visitors blog articles do offer the ability to share your theology well so i think that that's oh. maybe a key difference because you already understand the theology of your church i mean you were born and raised with them so i, I think that it's a difference there of just being able to say what is it the church believe about this so what are some interesting things about that right yeah i mean the the, the church the church blog subject is a whole thing all of its own the, the church that, that that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast what we're saying is if you're a church and you're not online do you exist because so many people they're on the go they're on their phone even on their phone you know they're at walmart and they want to know something you know they google it right there from their phone and so if if your church isn't googleable does it really exist? Because the first point of contact more and more is online before somebody ever parks in your church parking lot. You know, we used to say that the usher or the parking attendant was first contact between the church visitor and the church. But that isn't the case anymore. First contact now is the church website. And we're just not investing in that like we should. I don't believe on a whole, generally speaking. No, we're not. <laughs> Some we're churches not. really have invested a lot. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I think there's a great point to be made here. I think oh, you said it, or if Matthew said it, the idea that we're renting space uh, in cyberspace. And I think there's something to be said there. You know, churches make their mortgage payment, okay, but uh, as li- as as a society kind of. Uh, bifurcates into the real world, the digital world. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, proverbial cowboy. What word was that? Bifurcate? It means to split. Yeah. 
You were new. Wow, I'm so sorry. Jeremy, Jeremy, was that not impressive or what? I'm going to have to go get a dictionary. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know what, we might, okay, this is like two podcasts in a row that you've pulled out like some amazing vocabulary. I think we're just not going to mention it anymore and we're just going to have a Mario coin sound (laughs) every time you use a big word. We're going to start making up words and we're going to be like, oh yeah, I totally understand that word. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Dictionary on Apple on the MacBook Air says bifurcate, divide into two branches or forks. That's impressive. I don't don't know what you were saying, but I I just got stuck at the word. As as our lives split into two, digital and and, and actual, digital and and physical. What grade level is this podcast? I don't know. Okay. All right. We're going to go here. Fine. We'll go here. I had in in our school growing up, because I was, you know, we pre-recording conversation i went to public school uh we you know we tracked because you know all are created equal but some are more equal than others right animal farm um we tracked our language students and so i got put in an honors english class and we were given these small little vocabulary books that had words that had fallen out of american english a hundred years ago in them and we had to learn these words so i learned all these words like bifurcate garrulous and all these ridiculous vocabulary words that no Nobody uses, and but they're in my head. And so when I use them, people are like, "Whoa, whoa you got a time machine in there somewhere? Where do, you, where do you get this language from?" But it's just, it's they're normal words to me because I grew up with them. Um, as our lives split into to, to digital versus versus physical, you know, the churches pay for pay for physical real estate. But they don't want to pay for digital real estate. But we need that. There's a the digital world is quickly becoming uh, a secondary real world. Here's also my pushback to the idea of a website: is if you're going to create a website, you're in some ways saying to the audience and those that may want to come to your church, we are actually a little bit tech savvy. And I say a little bit, meaning you could do this in about ten minutes and be done and have no expertise whatsoever. And so if you have a website going and you have a social media presence and all that stuff and they get to the church and it's like, hey, we're still using an overhead projector and we don't have any other technology other than this, it's, I feel like it's a bait and switch. And so for most churches that I know that are trying to figure out if they should use a website or not, it's like we're spending about $5 an entire year on technology. And so to say, I'm going to put some money into an actual website, it's just not realistic. And so I don't think that a lot of churches actually need to invest in a website except for a very minimal static page because it's just giving the wrong image of the church. And just to be upfront and honest about that process, I think is very key in that as well. Because if I go to a website and see a church that has a whole bunch of events coming up, I'm like, wow, they're really engaged. They know what they're doing. They want to be able to just connect to their audience. And I get there and it's like, we're still using paper pamp brochures for the Sunday service and the only way you can get a hold of us is if you give us a phone call and sometimes we're in service and sometimes we're have office office hours, but it's just not going to work out. Otherwise it's like, I feel misled. And so I think a lot of churches are still in that aspect as well. Yeah. I, I think that the church websites, church, social media presence, all of that should be a reflection of the church, not being uh, something that they're hoping their church will be like or aspire to be. And that's why I've always kind of uh, disliked using too much um, 
iStock photo for church members. You know, a lot of times they'll have diverse pictures of all sorts of, of races, which is great because what they're saying is, um, hey, you know, we, we're accepting of all people of all types. But then when you get there, you realize that it's not diverse at all. It can be it can be kind of jarring. So I think it's important for the church website, social media presence, et cetera, to be an accurate portrayal. You know, um, so that it, so that matches up. But again, that kind of gets on a whole other topic. Again, am I right, guys? <laughs> the church website topic. So I think ultimately the question that we asked was basically, you know, should churches use a free website or not? And it's not a clear cut, yes or no. Agreed. I'm pretty sure we just solved the website problem for all churches in the world. That does it for this episode of the Church Mag Podcast. I'm sure we'll be talking more about church websites in the future. If you have a comment, question, or a super cool idea for an upcoming podcast, send us an email, podcast at churchmag, that's podcast at churchm.ag, or DM us on Twitter at churchmag. And if you can leave us a review on iTunes, we'll be sure to say thank you to you on an upcoming podcast. Until next week. Oh, and well, then, well, I'm not going to go there because that's going to get us, get us banned in iTunes. But uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't use those vocabulary words when I taught in the inner city, I'll tell you that much. I used oh, other vocabulary words oh, I will wow. not be using on here. So I can diagnose crazy if you want me to. Yes, well, I, my brain's definitely bifurcated. But anyway, um, as our lives split into di- to digital versus, versus physical. And we're back. <laughs> The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. I think you can cut the audio right there.